We're so glad that y'all have joined us online for worship today, and we're positive that God has something specifically to speak just to you. We want you to know that you are always welcome here at First Baptist Azel, and that you can connect with us by going online to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. Now let's hop back into the sermon and hear what God has for us today. You would as for the reading of God's word. This is Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Paul writing to the, to the church in Rome, and he says this, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the power of these words. May we believe them, may we live them today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Today's message, you can be seated. Today's message is going to be a little bit different. It's entitled, Why I Am Happy. Isn't that an odd title for 2020? Uh, Why I Am Happy. Um, Around the year 2002, It was our first mission trip to the Philippines, and I've shared with you, and you know this well, that on that very first mission trip, we just happened to have, uh, say, a chance encounter. There's no such thing as chance. We had an encounter in a mall with a a Southern Baptist missionary couple. It was actually his wife that I met, Jan, uh, first. They had us over to the house the next day for breakfast, and uh, we just had a great time when we met Mark and Jan Moses. They were serving uh, and have all of these years in Cherry's home province of Iloilo there in the Philippines, along with their five children. Mark Moses has remained friends with Cherry and myself ever since. Only a couple years after our visit, again, as you probably already know, or some of you do, Mark and Jan came down with cancer. Uh, Mark had uh, cancer of the liver. Jan had melanoma. And both of them were very serious, life-ending or life-threatening cancers. In time, um, Jan died from her uh, cancer. Uh, Mark had a kidney removed, and uh, through his therapy that he was able to survive. Um, And so we've known, uh, and Mark went back to the Philippines and continued to serve there uh, faithfully. But late last year, Mark's cancer returned. And the prognosis is that he will not survive much longer. In June, in the midst of the pandemic and the chaos of this world, as well as in the political, uh, the political volatility of our country, Mark wrote an article this last summer, just a few months ago, entitled, Why I Am Happy. It's an amazing uh, title for an article from somebody who, who is dying of cancer, from somebody who's right in the middle of the pandemic, And in one perspective, it seems odd. Uh, But I came across this article online while I was preparing today's message. Since, uh, you know, we're getting ready for Thanksgiving, my Thanksgiving sermon will be next Sunday, by the way. I decided to uh, uh, preach a message on pain and suffering. (laughs) Uh, So uh, in the middle of that sermon on pain and suffering, I found Mark's article. It was so profound it was, it, was, it was just wonderful. I ended up throwing out my sermon and rewriting a new sermon based on his article. And so what I'm about to share with you is from the heart because it is just so profound. I wanted you to hear it. I can't read all of it to you, but excerpts from it I'll read. I just found it to be very, very deep and very important. Uh, so I'll be quoting him a number of times. Um, So here's how it all begins. Mark writes this. Again, this is why I am happy. 
He says, wow, this is, again, this is back in the summer. With riots in many U.S. cities, a culture bent toward evil, a pandemic that's killing thousands, and a two-month-long lockdown, it's easy to wonder if God is still in control. But Scripture assures us that He is. And he quotes uh, Isaiah 14, 24, where God says, Surely just as I have intended so, it has happened. And just as I have planned, it will stand. It's a declaration by God. Everything is going according to His purposes. And it's hard for us to believe or comprehend that is in light of all the evil that is in the world, and it is an evil world, how God can be in control in the middle of a pandemic, how God can be in control. But God is in control. He uses all of that for His purposes and for His glory. I'm not saying He causes those things, but He does use them for His purposes. He can start them, end them, or do whatever He wants with them at any time. He says, from time to time, uh, this is Mark, God withholds His hand of grace and allows us to see the consequences of a world that continually rejects Him. I am glad that the Lord will not keep us on this cursed earth, earth forever. He came to deliver us, and for those whose hearts belong to Him, deliver us, He will. I am so grateful, he says, for this assurance, because recently I learned that my cancer has returned. Scans and a biopsy showed that I had at least three places active for kidney cancer. I hope to have at least another couple of months to share with the churches here in the Philippines. Listen to what he says. This is knowing he only has a few months to live. He says, I hope to have at least another couple of months to share with the churches here in the Philippines that I am completely at peace with my condition. I want them to see the smile on my face as I share with them about the joy I have in knowing that in a short time I will be in the Lord's presence and enjoying the riches of His kingdom. Beginning this month, I will be sharing with them this written testimony. He's entitled, Why I Am Happy. So I... <laughs> Again, this is, I find this remarkable. Mark makes seven uh, great reasons or shares seven great reasons why he is happy. And I'll add this, why we should be happy as well as God's people. Seven reasons why you should be happy. I don't care if there is a pandemic. I don't care what the government is doing or who won the election. I don't care. It's not that I don't care. In light of all of that, we should still be happy. By the way, happiness is a choice that we make. Uh, it's not something that happens to us and we react with happiness. We choose to be happy or not. That's why you have multi-multi-millionaires or billionaires with sports cars and big mega yachts and they're still miserable because happiness is a choice. The happiest people I see are the poorest people when we go to the Philippines. They live in a bamboo hut and they're a lot happier than we are. Isn't that remarkable? Okay, all right, I'm getting ahead of myself. Why I am happy. So Mark shares seven great reasons why he is happy and why we should be happy, I'll say. Number one, because I received eternal life. He says, I am happy because I received eternal life. Obviously, you got to start with that. And we should start with that. That should be the first thing about our life in your description of your life to anybody on any occasion. If you're a believer in Christ, number one should be that. Mark says, I am happy because at the age of eight, when I asked Jesus to be my Savior and Lord, I received eternal life. He quotes John 3.15 and 5.24, which says, Whoever believes in Christ has eternal life. He has already passed from death to life. And then he quotes 1 John chapter 11, verse 26, which says, 
anyone who lives and has put his trust in me will never die. And there is a moment in your life and my life, either we believe that or we don't. Do you believe that you're eternal? Do you believe that you're going to have power and victory over death through the blood of Jesus Christ? So he says, number one, (laughs) I'm happy because I'm saved. I know I have eternal life. He says, this means that although my physical body will one day die, Mark Moses will continue to live and one day receive a new resurrected body. 1 Corinthians 15. To the dying thief on the cross who confessed faith in Christ, Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. In heaven, I will be more alive there than I have ever been on earth. Number two, the second reason. I am happy because I have a place in heaven. Not just that he's saved from his sins or, or will have eternal life, but specifically, we have a place for us in heaven. Remember, that's what Jesus said to his disciples on that last night of his life. I go to prepare a place for you. It's specific. It's not just that we're all going to be loitering around in some sort of an indiscriminate, chaotic thing, floating in the clouds, playing harps, uh, none, none of that. Heaven is a very specific place, and our presence there is being prepared by God specifically for you and for me. So he says, I'm happy because I have a place in heaven. Not because of anything I've done, he says, but because of what God did for me through the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And then he shares 1 Peter 1, uh, chapter 1, verse 3. He says, it says, through God's loving kindness, we were born again to a new life and have a hope that never dies. This hope is ours because Jesus was raised from the dead. We will receive the great things that we have been promised. They're being kept safe in heaven for us. They are pure and will not pass away. They will never be lost. Is that right? Okay, uh, this is being televised. I apologize, all weather forecasters. Uh, How about that? Okay, I'm going to eat some crow there. So he says, I'm happy because I have a place in heaven. Number three, I'm happy because I will soon be there. Now, this is extraordinary. Your faith and my faith is, is amazingly hypothetical concerning our death. Well, I have tremendous faith because I'm not going to die tomorrow or next week, I don't think. Of course, we don't know. I could die tomorrow or next week. But we all think, most of us think, we're going to live a long time. And so we're all bold in our faith. But you know, When the hour comes, when the doctor comes in and says your cancer has returned, you only have a short time to live and you're directly facing death. That's when you find out what you really believe. And this is what Mark says. I'm happy because I will soon be there. Listen to what he says. On October the 28th, just a few days before I returned to the Philippines, I learned that my cancer had returned. For now I feel fine, but soon the cancer will grow and begin damaging my body. I will then return to the United States for pain management and to prepare for my promotion to heaven where I will receive all the glorious things God has promised for me. As 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 9 says, No eye has ever seen, no ear has ever heard, no mind has never ever imagined the wonderful things God has made ready for those who love Him. 
That's a great Number four, I am happy because my children will be with me in heaven. He says, while we will be apart temporarily, eventually they and their families will join me in heaven someday. I am so glad that Jan and I worked hard to be sure each child knew Christ and had made a decision to believe in Him as Savior and Lord. While it's sad now to leave them, I know the separation will be brief compared to the eternity we will enjoy in heaven forever. Jerry and I have tried to teach our children many things in life as all of you parents have with your own children. We so hope that they will grow to be well-educated, successful, happily married, and most importantly, to produce for us many beautiful grandchildren. (laughs) But by far, the most important thing is that we instill in them a faith in our Savior that is strong enough to withstand the onslaught of lies and ridicule that will be placed upon them from this secular world, from liberal professors, universities, bosses, politicians, fellow employees, and neighbors that they will encounter in their life. Because I know they're going to be bombarded. So many times over the years, our own youth have left here after being taught and taught and taught, and they the first philosophy class they take in school, the first university they go to where they have a a professor that they admire and respect who is a lost pagan, tells them that all this Christianity stuff is a bunch of hooey, that only idiots believe that, and how quickly and easily they change their position after hearing that. It's awesome to hear. It's, 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 It's everything you want to hear because if Christ be not raised... If there is no God, then there's no real point. You can do whatever you want. There's no standard like the Bible, right and wrong, telling you can't do this or you shouldn't do that. You just do whatever you want to do. And that's what young people like to hear anyway. It's what we all like to hear. Do whatever you want. It's okay. And so they buy into that lie in school. And they don't pursue their faith. And so it's our job as parents to prepare our children so first and foremost, with my children, I, I hope and pray that my children believe. I'm far more concerned and interested in that than their financial success, their education, or anything else. From the moment of the creation of this universe, The fact that God's existence, excuse me, the fact is, and the facts of God's existence are irrefutable. Science proves God's existence. I'll say that again. Science proves God's existence. I've shared with you before that at the very moment of creation, the creative force either had to come from the outside or from the inside. That is, it was an inside force or an outside force. If it's an outside force, that means God created the universe. If it's an inside force, it means the universe created itself. And that's ridiculous. So I believe that science, and I'm right, that science proves God's existence and His Word demonstrates His love and mercy through Christ. The world lives in denial of these facts. They say anything to pretend. They say anything to pretend that there is no God, even to the point of absurdity, claiming the universe just magically created itself. 
I pray my children will never give in to the lies this world has to offer. More than anything, I long for the day that I will see them in heaven. I will know that I've succeeded as a father when I have that reunion. Number five, Mark says, I am happy because I know my Christian Filipino friends will also someday be with me in heaven forever. Like virtually every missionary in history, Mark's heart is where he served. He served in the Philippines, and for decades, he and his wife invested their life and their energy and their talents, their gifts with Filipinos, those that they brought to the Lord, those that they led to maturity, those that they discipled. He loved them and still loves them to this very day, and he says, that's why I am happy. I look forward in heaven to seeing my wife, my parents, and my kids. But I eagerly desire to see you too. I long for the day that you and I can be together in heaven forever. That's the beauty of heaven. We'll never have a disagreement because heaven's perfect. We'll never not see eye to eye. We'll never feel guilty about anything. We'll never have to ask for forgiveness or give forgiveness. Because we will be together in perfection forever. I long for that day. Number six, Mark says, I am happy to leave this world. And again, this is somebody who is about to die. And before I even read this, if I get a headache, I make sure everybody in my family or on my staff knows. I talk about the pills I'm going to take, the Tylenol, you know, or, you know, I need a nap or I didn't get enough protein or whatever. If I stump my toe, it's my story for the next sermon illustration. (laughs) You know, we are remarkably thin-skinned. We are remarkably wimpy. We complain, complain, complain. Here's somebody that's dying. His death is imminent. And here's what he says, I am happy to leave this world. Mark shares a number of verses here. He says, this world is under the power of the evil one, 1 John 5, 19. It's part of Satan's kingdom of darkness. This world is part of Satan's kingdom. He's the prince of darkness. He's the prince of the earth, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. That he uses blind people um, uh, to the light of Christ, uh, that's 2 Corinthians 4, 4. God tells us not to love this world, 1 John chapter 2. It is full of evil, John 7, 7. It doesn't know God, 1 Corinthians 1, 21. It rejects him, John 14, 17, and is under his curse, John 12, 31. Because Satan is the ruler of this world, John 14, 30, and he hates Christians, it is certain that those of us who live for Christ in this world will suffer, 2 Timothy 3.12. We suffer through sickness, hurts, sadness, temptations, discouragements, fears, hardships, and adversity. But praise be to God, he says, I will soon leave all of this behind. As Revelation 21.4 says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All of these things are gone forever. That's a pretty good perspective. Number seven, I am happy because of what I will soon receive in heaven. 
I'm happy because what I will soon receive in heaven. He quotes Luke chapter 12, verse 32, where he says, For your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom, a treasure in heaven that will never be consumed. He says, uh, Mark says, experiencing eternal joy, happiness, and peace, walking with God Toward each other, we will show perfect love, gentleness, and kindness. We will know all the mysteries of the universe. We will enjoy a perfect world of amazing beauty, majestic mountains, green meadows, colorful gardens, quiet forests, refreshing waterfalls, and golden skies. I am so excited to experience it all. He's genuinely excited about heaven. He can't wait to get there. Some people may ask, he says, may ask me certain questions. And so there are six questions of the questions that were asked. There are six questions that I want to share with you just briefly that he thinks people will ask him or they've already asked him. Question number one, are are you afraid of death? And he says, not at all. As Paul said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Philippians 1.21. Death is only bad for those who have no assurance of what comes next. While I don't look forward to the process of dying physically, hospital visits, needles, nausea, and such, I will regard any pain as, and then he quotes 2 Corinthians 4.17, momentary light affliction compared to the eternal glory that outweighs them all. God has blessed me, he says at this time, with his peace and even an excitement about what will soon come. The next question. Don't you want to live longer on earth? Now this one got me. You understand that for those outside of Christianity, for those outside of salvation, this earth is all they got. So naturally they want to live as long as they can because that's all there is for them. That's all the good stuff. It's all the happiness or pleasure or whatever they're getting right now. Whatever they're getting, that's all they're going to get. Because after they die, they're going to get something else. And they don't look forward to that. But inside the church, it's different. It should be different. We should look forward to and long for what God has uh, for us on this earth. I'll say this, though. God made you and me to desire to live. He created us with that instinct that we want to survive. Nothing wrong with that. But... Mark says, honestly, he's ready to go. Here's what he said. Once my purpose on earth is done, why should I want to stay any longer in a world full of pain and sorrow? There is nothing in this world that I desire more than to be with God and enjoy heaven. There is a drug available for for stage four kidney cancer that may possibly delay disease progression for one to two years. May, possibly. He says, but it's very expensive. I would rather that money be used in missions. Therefore, I've declined the drug. The expense is not worth keeping me out of heaven any longer. (laughs) Again, it's the difference between pretend faith and real faith. I love that. The next question, isn't dying early a sign of God's judgment? Have you heard that before? You know what they do wrong. It was a big theology or doctrine in the New Testament. Isn't dying early a sign of God's judgment? He says, of course not. It's a sign of God's mercy. 
<laughs> he said, God often chooses mercifully to remove his people from this sin-cursed world and deliver them early into the joy of his kingdom. And then Mark speaks of missionaries, uh, great missionaries and, and uh, great Christian leaders of the past. He says, Jonathan Edwards, and some of these you may know, some, may, uh, some you may not. Jonathan Edwards was 54. David Bernard was 29. Oswald Chambers was 43. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was 39. Eric Little was 43. George Whitfield was 55. John Whitecliffe was 54. Every one of those great missionaries and Christians were younger than I am right now when they died. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said, uh, the greatest person ever to live do you know what he said? Who was the greatest person on this earth ever to live? Well, well Jesus is the one who said it. So who's he? it's not him. No, you're on the right track though. The greatest person, if you look it up, it's in Matthew 11. The greatest person ever to live was his first cousin, John. He actually said that. Yet, when John was in prison at, at the age of about 32, facing certain death, Jesus chose not to rescue him. Isn't that remarkable? He could have easily. Jesus was ready for John to leave the suffering of this world and to enjoy his many rewards in heaven. Not really thought about that. I never really thought about that. That is amazing and it's very true. You see, God had a very specific purpose for John. What was that purpose? To prepare the, way, prepare the way for the Messiah. And he did that. Prepare the way for the Lord. He did that. Voice of one calling in the, in the wilderness. He did that. He prepared the world for the coming of Christ. And once his part was done, that was it. There was no reason to keep him here any longer. He got promoted to heaven, is how Mark sees it, and how the Word of God would see it. Um. When I read this, I was reminded of an old poem that says, God has not promised skies ever blue, flower-strewn pathways always for you. God has not promised sun without rain, joy without sorrow, peace without pain. But he has promised strength from above, unfailing sympathy, undying love. Another question they asked him is, are you praying for healing? It's a fair question. Are you praying for healing? Paul did. Remember on three times, he, uh, three occasions, he prayed for healing. There's nothing wrong with praying for healing. But he says this. Mark says, I am praying that God will be glorified in my life and through my testimony. I know God can heal instantly and permanently. But I don't need healing to know that God loves me and is doing all things for my good. Of course, he quotes our passage for today, Romans 8, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. If God wants to heal me, he says, he can do it anytime. But if he does not, then I will thank him for his mercy and eagerly await the day when I will step out of this body and into his kingdom. God knew the number of my days on this earth before one of them ever came to be, Psalm 139. I am completely at ease trusting my days into God's hands and letting Him carry out my departure. Our lives are in the hands of God. God knows exactly how many days you're going to live. He knows the moment you're going to take your last breath. He already knows that. 
Mark says, don't sweat it. Because God already knows he's going to take care of you this life and in the next. Another question he says people might ask, are you sure you will go to heaven? Absolutely. Not because of anything I've done, but because of what God has done through Jesus Christ. The Bible was written, and then he quotes 1 John 5, 13, to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know you have eternal life. I want you to know, if you're a believer in Christ, you have eternal life. God wants you to know that. Listen, I may have said this before. When you're lost, Satan has number one, one goal, one goal for you and your life, and that is to keep you lost. He will lie to you, deceive you, mislead you, and misguide you to do his best to keep you from the cross of Christ. When you become a Christian, Satan also has one goal for you. And that is to discourage you and to lie to you and to try to convince you that you're lost even though you're saved. Because a crippled Christian, someone who spiritually is not even sure that they're saved, is not an effective Christian. Satan knows that. He's trying to get you. He lies to you constantly to try to convince you that you're lost if you're a believer in Christ. Let me remind you, it is not because you're good or because I'm good. Because you're not good and I'm not good. We're sinners saved by grace. It is the blood of Christ and the mercy of God that saves us and that alone. Don't believe the lies of Satan. Don't believe the lies of this world. If you have given your life to Christ, your destiny is the same as Mark's, the same as John the Baptist. It is heaven. So he says this. This is his closing statement. I have a tremendous peace about my physical condition. I am not afraid. I'm not worried. Instead, I am happy. I'm grateful to the Lord that he has given me this time to be with you so that you can see my happiness. I want your love for the Lord, Jesus Christ, to be so strong that you too will be happy when the time comes for you to leave this earth. Then he quotes Psalm 63, 3. Because his loving kindness is better than life. The loving kindness of God is better than life. For now, he says, our task is to use every day to make Christ known to those he brings into our lives. May he find us faithful in his work until the day he calls us home. The truth is, like Mark, sooner or later, there are going to be difficult days ahead of us. We're going to face cancer. Many of you will. Or pneumonia or some other disease or coronavirus or whatever it may be. Cherry works in a hospital and she has seen it more and more in the last few weeks. People deathly ill. Many do not survive. Whether it's coronavirus or other diseases, it happens every day in our hospitals, of course. There are difficult days ahead for you. Not, not only difficult days, there are great days too, but there are tough days ahead for all of us. Oswald Chambers, in his book entitled Christian Discipline, speaks of the one thing that Jesus and the two criminals who died with him had in common. Do you remember this? Jesus died on a cross, but he didn't die alone. There was two others. There was a criminal on the left-hand side and a criminal on the right-hand side. And something very remarkable happened to one of the criminals. He repented. And uh, uh, he acknowledged and confessed 
the sovereignty of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus. He said, will you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? A believer on the cross. Remarkable. You know, five minutes after they died, I guarantee that other criminal felt so stupid. (laughs) But he just cursed Jesus instead. He blew his chance. I I don't know what he thought he had to lose. Anyway, uh, but he, he didn't do it. But Oswald Chambers says those three people, the two thieves and Jesus, had something in common on the cross. Here's what he says about suffering. He says, one was repentant, one was not, but all had one thing in common, suffering. Suffering is the heritage of the bad, of the penitent, and of the Son of God. Each one ends in the cross. The bad thief is crucified, the penitent thief is crucified, and the Son of God is crucified. By these signs, we know the widespread heritage of suffering. So if you think being a believer in Christ is going to keep you from difficult days and from suffering, you're reading the wrong Bible. Tough days are ahead. Be ready for it. Be happy about it, as Mark would say, whether you have a great day or a tough day. Know that God is glorified and it's all going to work out. God's going to take care of everything. The question is, how will you face death when it comes? So I love Mark's testimony. It reminds me of how good our God is and how we should face whatever comes with joy and hope and peace. At the Last Supper, among his last moments with his disciples, Jesus shared his heart with them. This is John chapter 14. You remember that moment? It's his last meeting time with the disciples. So Jesus shares his heart and he gives them a wonderful promise in verse 27. He says this, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I don't give you as the world gives. So apparently the world offers a fake peace, a pretend peace, but it's not really peace. He says, I don't give you like the world give you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. That's where Mark is right now in his life. Don't be troubled. Whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with today, whether it's COVID or something else or a relationship problem or a financial issue, whatever your struggle is, be at peace. God will take care of you. God loves you. He will guide you. And he has prepared a plan and a place for you. Don't be afraid. Would you pray with me? Fathers, we come to you right now. We want to say thank you for the faith that Mark Moses has. It is the faith of the Apostle Paul. It is that strong of an assurance that you're in control, that the son of your blood has saved us from our sins and that there is waiting for us reward in heaven with you forever. That assurance that because you're in control that every day of our life is planned out before you and when it ends, it ends here so that it can begin anew in heaven. I pray that you would help us to have that faith. I pray that you would empower us 
and then gift us with the ability to instill that in our children so that we can be together again in heaven. Remind us that this world hates you and hates Christians, always have and always will, that we shouldn't be surprised at that hostility from others or from our government or from uh, uh, countries throughout the world, that they hate us. But that's all right because we are loved by you. Jesus said, remember, they hated me first. And so we rest in him. Father, for those that are suffering right now, they're going through tough times in their life. And you know their hardships. I lift them up to you right now. May your hand of peace be upon them right now. That you would grant them the peace that passes understanding. The kind of peace that Mark has. And the kind of peace you want us to have. The kind of peace that Jesus promised to his disciples on that night and to us. That is real peace. Lasting peace. That everything's going to be okay in your hand. Forgive us for those times that we've doubted. And I pray that you would give us power through your spirit to denounce, to deny, and to resist the lies of Satan. Those lies that tell us that we're not really saved. Those lies that, uh, that, lies that tell us that you don't exist or that you don't care or that you're, you're no longer alive. Father, we see the evidence we acknowledge the facts and we will not be swayed by the lies of those around us. Thank you for the power of your presence, even now. As you're praying, no one's looking around. Can I challenge you today, right now? Do you have that faith? Do you have that assurance that on the day of your death, whether it happens in 30 years or 30 minutes, that on the day of your death, you're ready you're unafraid. You're unabashed. You're anticipating and looking forward to that day that you'll be in heaven with your Savior, your Redeemer, and your God. That day that you will be reunited with your Christian family and friends forever. That day that you will receive that glorified body, perfect, eternal, flawless. Are you sure? Some of you here may not have ever given your life to Christ. It's not that you doubt your salvation. You know you're not saved. You've thought about it, but you have never surrendered to Jesus Christ. And you know it. Listen, now's the time. The truth is, maybe you'll live another 30 years, but you don't know. It might be tomorrow. And I don't mean to scare you. I'm just saying that we don't know. The best time to give your life to Christ is always right now. Right here, you have an opportunity. Just come up and say, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to be ready for heaven. I want that peace. And we'll talk and I'll pray with you. That's all you got to do. Pastor, I surrender my life to Christ. You have to mean it. Uh, you can't just say words. That doesn't mean anything in the kingdom. You have to mean it in your heart. But if you surrender yourself, truly surrender your life to Christ, God will save you this very hour and guarantee you a place in heaven for eternity. He'll forgive your sins. It doesn't matter what you've done. God will forgive you. His Spirit will enter you, and you'll begin a new life. Jesus referred to it as being born again. Would you do that today?
It may you be you're struggling with something or you have a loved one that is struggling. They're suffering. And you want to lift them up to Christ right now. You might want to come and get on your knees and just spend some time in prayer. If God is speaking to you right now, here's your opportunity. Well, thanks for joining us today online for our worship service. We hope that you are ministered and encouraged to while you're with us. And we just want to remind you that you can connect with us online by going to fbcazel.org forward slash connect. We hope to see you again next week.